welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of Aspen Underwriting Limited and Credit Europe Bank NV. The citation for this case is 2020 UKSC 11. And the case that we will be looking at this week involves shipping law, and in particular shipping insurance. One of the parties to the case, Aspen Underwriting, are the insurers, and they agreed to insure the vessel in question, the Atlantic Confidence, for a sum of $22 million. The other party to the case, though, is not the owner of the ship, but rather Credit Europe Bank, who are based in the Netherlands. Their involvement began when the vessel was refinanced, and the funding was provided by the bank who then became an assignee under the insurance policy, with the result that they would get all of the money from any insurance payout. As you can imagine, the reason that we are hearing about all of this now in the courts is because the boat did unfortunately sink in April 2013 after a fire had broken out in the engine room. The owners then requested that the bank authorise the insurers to pay out any money from the insurance claim to a separate company called Willis Limited, so everything could be sorted out. During those negotiations, the bank was not directly involved, and the insurers eventually agreed with the owners that the payout would be $22 million. Everything should have been fine, but it later transpired in separate proceedings that the owners had in fact deliberately sunk their own ship. This prompted the insurers to bring a claim against the owners and the bank in a bid to reclaim the $22 million that they had paid out. It was the bank that challenged this claim on the grounds of the jurisdiction of the High Court to actually hear this case. At this point it is worth saying a little bit more about the insurance policy itself, as well as the rules that govern jurisdiction in these types of cases. The insurance policy did have an exclusive jurisdiction clause in favour of England and Wales, so this is definitely something that worked against the bank's argument. The relevant piece of legislation comes from the EU, and is the recast Brussels regulation, which regulates jurisdiction across member states. Article 4 sets out the standard rule that a defendant must be sued in the member state where they are domiciled. However, this is subject to Article 7.2, which states, quote, In matters relating to tort, delict, or quasi-delict, a person may be sued in the courts for the place where the harmful event occurred or may occur, end quote. Interestingly, this exception is then subject to yet another exception in Article 14, which makes clear that in matters relating to insurance, an insurer can only bring an action in a court of the member state where the defendant is domiciled, which, for Credit Europe Bank, would be the Netherlands rather than England and Wales. In order to sort through all of this mess, this case went before a panel of seven justices of the Supreme Court, which is where we pick the proceedings up. And the first thing to deal with was the exclusive jurisdiction clause contained in the insurance policy, as in theory this contractual agreement would firmly establish England and Wales as the proper jurisdiction. The problem is that under EU law, any agreement between the parties as to jurisdiction has to be based on a clearly demonstrable consensus. Such a meeting of the minds doesn't really happen here because the bank is not exactly a party to the agreement. After all, the original policy was between the owners of the ship and the insurers. Now, there is an argument that this shouldn't matter because the law states that if the bank has become a successor to the policy, then it can be taken to have consented to the jurisdiction clause as well. 
Whether the bank has really become a successor depends on the assertion of its rights and the performance of its obligations thereunder. Given that the bank left all of the negotiations to the owners, the Supreme Court found that the bank had never really asserted its rights under the policy, and so was not a party to the agreement. Importantly, for the purposes of this case, this meant that the bank did not have to submit to the jurisdiction clause that exclusively named the English courts. That fact allowed the justices to move on to the recast Brussels regulation, and the question as to whether this claim was a matter relating to insurance for the purposes of the exception in Article 14. It was noted that the phrasing in this section of the regulation is rather broad and can refer to parties to a contract beyond the original two. As such, the Article 14 derogation can apply in this instance, although it does apply in pretty much the same way as the primary rule in Article 4 that a defendant is to be sued in the member state where they are domiciled. Finally, there was some debate about whether the insurer ought to be entitled to some protection as the weaker party in this situation, but the Supreme Court held that said protection was really about helping those in a weaker bargaining position, rather than the courts having to make a general assessment as to the strengths and weaknesses on a case-by-case basis. Doing something like this would clearly undermine legal certainty, as the parties to a contract would never be sure who a court would determine is entitled to special protection. In the end, the defendant is to be sued in the state where they are domiciled, and in the case of Credit Europe Bank, that is the Netherlands, and not the UK. Overall, I think that although this is a bit of a blow for the insurers, this makes sense as a decision. The strongest argument that they had related to the exclusive jurisdiction clause in the policy, but that had always been an agreement between the insurers and the owners of the ship. The strongest argument that they had related to the exclusive jurisdiction clause in the policy, but that had always been an agreement between the insurers and the owners of the ship. Perhaps if the bank had made some declaration during the refinancing or had played a more active role in the negotiations, it might have been fair to impose the same terms on them, but their involvement was always limited. A stricter approach might have offered more legal certainty, but would not have made much sense in terms of the smooth running of business because banks would be less likely to take on refinancings if it meant they would become subject to the terms of a contract that they had not negotiated. Once the question moved on to the recast Brussels regulation, it was pretty much game over for the insurers. The wording and even the overall aim of the legislation is to offer sufficient protection to the defendant as opposed to the claimant. The suggestion of a different interpretation was an interesting legal argument, but never likely to stand up in court. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this episode of the UK Law Weekly Podcast, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. Just before I finish, I wanted to highlight a blog that has been started by one of my longtime YouTube followers, and you can access that at legallyllondon.wordpress.com. That's L-E-G-A-L-L-Y. E-L-L-E-L-O-N-D-O-N.wordpress.com. It should be a really good resource for students and um, definitely go and check it out. Anyway, I'll be back with another case next week, but for now, bye. bye.